Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Hello, kids. This is Risk, the show where people tell true stories they never thought they'd dare to share. I'm Kevin Allison, and every Thursday, we release these special episodes that we're calling Classic Risk Singles. Each of these episodes features just one story from our earlier years. If you're new to Risk, you should know that the podcast can be very uncensored. This week, a story that was first shared on the podcast in May of 2014 by Sarah Barrett. Here's Sarah now with a story we call This Might Be Controversial. The story of my family's history. It's a real sort of slap in the face to the American dream because if what you're supposed to do here is arrive on the shores and do better than the generation that came before you. In my family, we like to make sure we do worse. It's very important. My great-grandfather was a surgeon. My grandfather, his son, was just a regular doctor. My mother, his daughter, is a psychotherapist. And me, her daughter, I'm just not anything, really. I've done a bunch of different stuff professionally, and I say that in quotes, because all all that I really care about is making sure I don't earn too much money. I consider myself a sort of professional under-earner, because if I earn too much money, well then, I insult my family's legacy. So it was in keeping with this overall philosophy that I decided to try my hands at 
teaching writing. I'd done a little waitressing, a little stuff behind a cash register at a Banana Republic, a little bit of secretarial work, anything really, as long as I don't make too much money. And if ever you yourself have taught anything, you understand that there is no risk of over-earning. The first time I saw a mention of the job was in the back of this free weekly paper and it said that it was seeking writers seeking extra cash. And I was like, well, I'm a writer. I've written stuff. Nothing published, but you know, I keep a diary. And I thought, well, if I pair that with a nice blazer, a nice pair of glasses, maybe that will do the job of having been professionally published. So I barreled in and I got the job, which was crazy. And this is the very strange part of the story is how I actually got the job. I don't mean this to sound arrogant. I do believe in real life that the dean of students had a little crush on me, which if you Google image me will seem strange to you, but just go with it. He said that he thought my, and this is a quote, my aggressive speaking voice would help keep my students awake, if not fully engaged. I was really excited about teaching. I thought, like, I watched all these movies about teaching, like Dead Poets Society and Stand and Deliver, and the one with Michelle Pfeiffer, whose name escapes me now, but there's some rapping song about it. But I watched those movies, and I was like, okay, all I have to do is I walk through the students' desks in a certain kind of way, and I lean against my own desk in a right way, and then I'll just look like I'm in control. And if you look like you're in control, then in fact, you are in control. The only thing that I had any anxiety about was whether or not I could lecture. I didn't feel I had that much to say on any given topic, dialogue, structure, character, these kinds of things. I didn't feel I had that much to say, but my thinking was maybe if I offer up personal correlating anecdotes, maybe then that can just help me fill the time. So for the lecture, for example, on character, I'd be like, okay, you guys, you should make sure there are characters in your story. And then one of my students would be like, Sarah, how do I do it? Like, how would you put a character in your story? And I'd say, well, for example, I could write a story about my dad because my dad is a character. How is he a character? Well, consider what he does. My dad cries. He cries like a woman. He cries at sitcoms like The Wonder Years and news stories. In fact, when we went to see the movie Father of the Bride in 1992, my father's crying got so loud that the woman sitting behind us was like, ma'am, to my mother, ma'am, you have to take him out. So that's a story that illustrates my father's character and therefore the kind of thing I might put in my own piece. Do we have any questions? No, great, let's move along. That's kind of how it could go. And on the rare occasions when maybe I didn't have a correlating anecdote, I could let the students answer themselves. Do you know what I mean? So someone would say, but Sarah, really? How do you create a round character? And I would say, wow, great question, Clara. Um, Chris, do you have an answer? And then Chris could answer, and I would just look like I was helping them help themselves rather than entirely devoid of answers myself. I got to this point where I really felt legitimately excited about the whole thing, but then the problem was, and this is classic behavior on my part, I undermined myself when at the first class I was like, oh, I know what I'll do. To look authoritative, I'm going to call myself professor. I was like, hey, everybody, I'm Sarah. I'll be your writing professor. It came in to me in what I thought was like a moment of genius. But in fact, there was this one student whose name was Harry. And I don't mean to suggest that you can know a person as gay by looking at them. I don't think that you do. But I'm just saying there's a thing that he was doing with like color clashing that was very strong. And I was like, that's something that a gay man can do. Anyway, so Harry was like, excuse me, did you just call yourself professor? And I was like, I didn't. He goes, right. 
is this an accredited college or university? And I was like, no. And he's like, right. It's not. So you shouldn't call yourself professor. This is like adult continuing ed. So you should call yourself instructor. And I was kind of like, I'm going to cry slash fair point. And that was as chummy as it got those first few weeks. Like it was very awkward. People weren't interested in my personal anecdotes. So then because of my failure to lecture, my surprising failure to lecture, we had to find some way to fill the time. And I felt the least I could do for my students who were getting cheated out of a class that they'd pay for was that I could at least leave it up to them in terms of what it was that we would do to fill the time. So I was like, all right, guys, We've got some options. Number one, we could play a game of telephone. Kick it old school. We could like do a thing where we discussed world affairs because as writers, like it's really important that we know what's happening in the world around us. And someone was like, yeah, let's do that. And I was like, no, let's not do that. We could do it if it's like celebrity news because that's the only kind of news that I can really work with. But it could be like celebrity news that we follow and then we like write satirical pieces about celebrities. Does that appeal to anybody? Or wait... You guys, what if we do like just an eating break? We'll give ourselves like a 20-minute eating break. Anyway, that is what we decided on. Although here's like a word of wisdom to any people who are maybe going to teach and run out of things to talk about and then schedule their own 20-minute eating break is that if nobody's talking, all you do is sit there and it's this heightened awareness of the sound of other people's chewing. This is how it came to pass in a very necessity is mother of invention type way that we came up with a game that we called this might be controversial. It came about in the workshop portion of the class. Basically, a lot of what you do in a writing class is people write and submit their own pieces, and then all the other students offer up their positive and improvement comments. You'd hear things like, on page three, paragraph four, I really liked how you did the funny thing with the Barbara Streisand character. But on page seven, paragraph 10, I thought it was lame when you talk about the fact that you think you're adorable. So it'd be this kind of thing, right? This backing and forth thing of here's what I like and here's what I don't like. And I had this one student who was Swedish and lovely and spoke impeccable English. And his name was Sten. And Sten felt really uncomfortable saying anything negative. So he would say like, I really like how on page four, paragraph nine, it is wonderful when you do the scene where you're washing your feet and then crying. It's super duper funny. But it's my improvement. Oh, I don't know. Instructor, I just think it's writing is so hard for people. So it is a good piece that Miriam has written. Now, mind you, Miriam was this recent retiree who I had. And it's her piece. What she'd submitted was the eulogy from her mother's funeral. She was like, one of, do you know there are those women? You always see them around and they wear like only the color purple. And you're like, oh, right. You're a little broken. She was one of those people. And I think that Sven intuited that about her. And so therefore tried to be kind. But the problem was he would be kind to everybody no matter what and so I had to work as his instructor not his professor very hard to get a harsher critique out of him I'd say listen you have to find a way that works for you and the way that Sven found that worked for him was by saying this might be controversial he offered it up as sort of like this disclaimer so he'd say something like this might be controversial but on page 6 paragraph 10 I thought the line where you had seven adjectives this is very silly or this might be controversial but on 
page five, paragraph nine, you do the part where you talk about your boyfriend. And I think, mm, hello, this part is very boring. It was kind of like for him, this might be controversial, freed him up and allowed him to say whatever he had to say, which was its own thing. But then what started happening is everybody had to say it. It got to this point where no one in the class would give a critique without setting it up with, this might be controversial. So you'd hear like, this might be controversial, but on page three, paragraph 12, it's really bad for me how cheesy the dialogue is when your father tells you you had cancer. Or somebody else would say, this might be controversial, but on page three, paragraph 12, it was like really bad how cheesy the dialogue was when your father tells you he has cancer. Or someone would say, this might be controversial, but on page one, paragraph three, your interpretation of manic depression as creative genius, like for me, ugh, it's like it feels really self-delighted. So this is how it went, right? Always hearing this phrase. And then one day, maybe halfway through the class, Harry, who to remind you was the guy who was gay and had paired colors very well, he came back from a bathroom break and was like, all right, listen, here's my idea. The next time someone says, this might be controversial. The deal is you have to follow it up with something really controversial. What do you think? And frankly, I was like, whatever. Like anything that we can do to stretch this class out, let's bring it in. Harry, you go first. He said, great. This might be controversial, but I actually do not want them to legalize gay marriage. I hate marriage. I hate the weddings. I hate the registries. I hate the amount of money, the travel. It's like suddenly all my vacation time is spent like going to other people's stupid weddings. And I feel like the privilege of being gay was that I had to deal with less of that shit than everybody else. And now that they're gonna legalize gay marriage, it's like, oh my God, fuck it, no. Just fewer rights, fewer rights if it means I can go to fewer weddings. And he sighed when he was done. And I was like, excuse me, Harry, that sounded good. He was like, excuse me, but it felt good. And you could feel from the other students in the room, not judgment, okay? It wasn't that anybody had been offended. It was rather this sort of like desire creeping out, this sense that the other students wanted their own catharsis. So after that, right, this other week went by and it was like this unearthed sort of universal desire was starting to shift the meaning of our phrase. This might be controversial went from this way by which you softened your critique to a means by which you could say something really controversial. Someone went, this might be controversial, but when I meet an anorexic, I want to punch her in the face. And then I had this other student who was like, all right, listen to this. This might be controversial, but I saw this thing on the news the other day about this family. Okay. And I know it's horrible. They had 10 kids and one of the kids drowned in a river. Horrible. But the parents are there and they're going on and they're on and they're sobbing and they're yammering. And it's all about like how it's the city's fault and the city didn't have a fence up and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, you guys, you still have nine more kids. You fuck with the planet when you fuck like that, and the planet fucked with you. And then someone was like, all right, listen, this might be controversial, but I went down on a black man recently, and his pubic hair smelled African to me. Does this make sense? And no one said that it made sense, but the point is, we tried to provide a safe environment for something like that to be articulated. So this is happening, right? It's like, this might be controversial, this might be controversial. And so I make this observation. I'm like, you guys... 
this might be controversial, is spreading like wildfire. And then Sven said, no, instructor, not spreading like wildfire. This is so cliche. You have to think of a better way to say it. Perhaps it is It is spreading among us like flames upon the gasoline-soaked payas of a Jew. And then Miriam came in with, well, listen, this might be controversial, but Israeli people are rude. Oh, I hate to say it, but I have never in my life met a polite Israeli. And this is how it would go, right? And the only rule in place was that you could not say something if you didn't believe it, which, to be frank, was not a problem. I had this other student named Dave. Now, a few words on Dave. Dave was Caucasian. He had dreadlocks. He had very wealthy parents. And what I thought of as being sort of an allergy to any and all critiques of his writing. If you had any edits for him, his feeling was that those edits would affect the integrity. So this was kind of Dave and who he was. And one day we're in the midst of playing our game and he goes, all right, well, this might be controversial, but, um... I don't think bestiality is that gross. Like, I'm just saying, man, like, I kind of get it. You know, like how it's hot that you'd get off without having to return the favor. And at that point, all of us nodded in acceptance. Not agreement, but acceptance. So there's this one day where Sven comes to class and he's looking atypically upset. And Miriam's like, oh, Sven, what's wrong? And Sven's like, well, I... I have something very controversial to say, and I'm very ashamed by this one. And Dave said, well, dude, listen, don't be ashamed. Like, last week, I pretty much confessed I want a blowjob from a dog. And Sven was like, you did. You did do your blowjob confession that day, and I was very thankful. So, yes, okay, I will be very controversial, too, today. Oh, this might be controversial, but... When I think about the politician that is John Edwards, I do not blame him for his cheating because his wife is so homely. And Miriam heard this and she was like, what? Sven, not is, was, Elizabeth Edwards has died. And then Dave was like, Miriam, chill. Sven's just being controversial. Don't make him feel bad. He knows it's bad. Just like, look how sad he looks. And he did, you guys. He looked so sad. He was slumped in the corner. His bottom lip was protruding. And Miriam was like, Sven, I'm sorry. I I don't mean to be cruel. I mean, we all have our things, you know, for what it's worth. This might be controversial, but I only go to male doctors because I have a problem trusting women. Sven was like, you must hate yourself for this. Miriam was like, I do. It's really hard. We had other people in the class, too. I had a Paul, and there was a Brian, and there was a Lisa, and a Lauren. And as time went on, they also made their own difficult admissions. Those kinds of things that don't even feel cathartic so much as they feel depressing. This might be controversial, but I wish divorce on most of my friends. This might be controversial, but I kind of feel like you can't be truly raped if you find the guy attractive. This might be controversial, but I hated The Wire. This might be controversial, but I hate Breaking Bad. You guys, this might be controversial, but I think women who change their names after marriage are so stupid. I always judge them. It's like, not to their faces, of course, because to their faces, I say the thing you have to say, which is like, it's just about a woman's right to choose, but that's not how I feel in my heart. In my heart, I'm like, come on, woman, please grow a fucking backbone. 
This writing class in total ran for 10 weeks. And as we inch toward the end, I finally got to a place where I also could make difficult admissions. This might be controversial, but I'm attracted to Rick Santorum. This might be controversial, but I don't like Malcolm Gladwell. This might be controversial, but if you're living on public assistance, you shouldn't be allowed to have a pet. When finally we reached that last week, something very bizarre and unprecedented happened, which is that we wound up not playing. This might be controversial. It was almost as though we'd reached a sort of saturation point. Dan, one week, was like, this might be controversial, but I do feel like a gay man is more likely than a straight man to be a pedophile. And it was kind of like all bets were off. Harry responded, the thing is, Dan, that's not even controversial. It's wrong. It's empirically wrong because it's subjectively untrue. In that moment, it was like things were uncomfortable in a way that they hadn't been, really, since I had the nerve to barrel in and call myself professor. It got very tense instead of there being any sense of camaraderie. And we lost the will to speak on controversial subjects. But what was even weirder than that was that we didn't need to speak on controversial subjects because for the first and only time since the class had started, my students cared about my lecture because the topic was the business of writing. And when I announced it to them, and I was like, all right, everyone, it's time for us to talk about how to make money. There was unprecedented interest. Suddenly it's like they're scribbling in their notebooks. Everybody has questions. They're like, am I going to get published? How often? How much money am I going to make? And it was the only moment as a teacher that felt to me like the teachers in the movies that I'd seen. Do you know what I mean? There was like some sense of like, everybody, calm down, hold hold on, I'm going to get there when I get there. And if it was sad, if it was somehow sad for this might be controversial to have come to an end, I personally felt it was made up for in, in the fact that I now felt like I could be a real teacher who had real answers. I felt like my students were excited and engaged. I felt like I had the ability to teach. I said, you guys, listen up. You might get published, but only online, and you will never make any money. And they're like, any money? And I was like, well, no, I mean, you, you can make some money, but not the kind that's going to do you any good. And then I had this one student raise her hand and she was like, wait a second. Is this why you pack a homemade tuna sandwich every week? And I was like, exactly. She was like, is this why your clothes are always stained because it's too expensive to dry clean them? I was like, Exactly. They'd done so much growing in the weeks that I'd had them. Maybe, you know, maybe their writing hadn't gotten much better, but certainly they were learning to read people and judge character. And I said, wow, you guys, you have learned so much. And the second the words were out of my mouth, I catch them eyeing one another. And Harry shook his head and raised his hand and said, I'm not so sure about that. I think that opinion might be controversial. That is all for this week's Classic Risk Singles episode. Now, don't miss out on our regular full-length episodes. There's a brand new one every Tuesday. And everything you might want to know about us is at risk-show.com.